does seem kind of gloomy and kind of dark and unexpected. And the word that we have heard so many times, unprecedented. If I've heard that word once, I've heard it 50,000 times. Unprecedented. This year was unprecedented. But can I tell you this morning, there's still hope. There is still hope. And this morning, as a congregation, and actually last night, really, we kicked it off last night, two months of hope. I want us to end this year, November and December, and I want to get it into our hearts and into our minds, and I want the Holy Spirit, I want him to confirm it in our hearts and in our minds that there is still hope. There is hope for me and my family, amen? There is hope for you and your family. There is hope for your children. There is hope for your grandchildren. There is hope for our communities around us. There is even still hope for the United States of America. I believe that this morning, don't you? And regardless of what happens on Tuesday, there is still hope for the United States of America. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and the resurrection is still our hope. That's what I'm going to preach about here in just a few moments. But let me tell you, it is our civic duty to go out and vote. So let me encourage this congregation, and I'll try to remember and do so at 11 o'clock as well. Pray, and then go vote, and then pray some more. <laughs> Amen? But last night we had a great, great time kicking off two months of hope. And we estimate conservatively, we're pretty definite that we can at least say that there were 175 children, not counting adults, who came through and, and received treats yesterday. And, and um, let's just pray for all of those families. Amen? Let me ask you sometime during today, just take a little time and pray for every family that was represented here and just say, God, you know every child that came through last night and we pray that, that seeds of hope, the gospel hope would spring forth in their families, amen? So what a great time. Thank you for everyone who helped, everyone who was a part of that. I did not intend to give a, a acclamation or, or acknowledgement or a reward to the best costume, but there was one costume last night that was far Far above, and I hope this doesn't offend anyone, but it was far above anyone else's, and that was Stan Shiflett. He came as Pastor Greg, and I just, I just can't help but say that, that that has to be the number one. Everybody's was good, but this was extraordinary, let me just say, extraordinary. It was original, right? It was something. <laughs> but we had a great time, didn't we? It was a great time. As part of our two months of hope, we're going to try to spread seeds of hope. And so Pastor Jacob has designed, and it's on its way to us, a beautiful postcard. On one side, it's going to talk about, it has information about our church. On the other side, it has the gospel message presented in a very clear and concise way. And so one of the projects as part of our two months of hope is I'll be giving each of you these postcards and I want you to please start praying about who you want to give this 
to. We're going to design them in a way where they can be mailed. Now that we're online, you can mail them anywhere around the world and encourage folks to join us online, amen? But the gospel message is there, and that's the most important thing. So we're going to encourage each person to maybe take three or, or so cards and Actually, they are already here. So uh, if you see Pastor Jacob, they may have them out in the lobby today as you leave. Uh, maybe each person get about three and pray about who you want to scatter some seeds of hope to, the hope of the gospel. You can take it as far as the Lord leads you to take it. Perhaps you mail it to someone. Perhaps you give it to someone. Perhaps you give it to someone and the Lord lays it on your heart to engage them in some conversation about the gospel but I will leave that to you and the Lord as to how we do that. But let's just scatter some seeds of hope as we end this year. Is that all right today? I, I know it is. We're also going to be participating in some benevolence activities I want to share with you as part of our two months of hope, spreading seeds of hope. We have completed, Joyce Bogger has headed this up and actually already has been completed, 50 shoe boxes, and that's a tradition around here that will be going as part of Franklin Graham's ministry. So thank you for your giving. Thank you for your, your part in that. So we, we are already in progress. That, that is already taken care of, and there's nothing else that's needed for that. But there are um, angel tree needs at... Ruckersville Elementary School. That's where my wife works. And this year, because of the circumstances, um, there are more students who are signed up. And also, there is some nervousness that there might not be enough people that will sponsor. Again, because of the circumstances we find ourselves in. I believe we can fill the gap as our church. We can step up to the plate. Amen. So what we're asking you to do is to give a donation to go towards the angel tree. It's a Christmas gifts that will go to needy children in our communities. And someone in our, our ministry team, I think it was either Pastor Jacob or Amy, had a great idea. And it was this. We didn't get to have our Christmas banquet this year. And typically we donate in about $10 a piece to pay for our, our catered meal. So one way of thinking about this, instead of buying our catered meal this year, if the Lord lays it on your heart, maybe just donate that $10 towards the angel tree. That'd be all right? I think that kind of makes lemonade out of lemons, doesn't it? Boy, I do miss the banquet, though. Because <laughs> that mac and cheese was really good. But pray about it. You don't have to give any amount. You don't have to give just 10. But pray about what the Lord would have you give. And in your memo line on the check, it just, just write Christmas gifts or angel tree. And uh, the office, Amy, will know to put that towards this project. And so that will, again, sow some seeds of hope. Thirdly, we're participating once again this year in the coat drive that's sponsored by uh, Frank Allen's ministry out in Portsmouth. And so if you have coats, gently use coats, or even if you wanted to buy a new coat, please bring those by. See Pastor Carol Lawson, he can tell you where to put those. Uh, but we also have a bin down in the fellowship hall, you can put them in. And so we're going to spread seeds of hope. If you believe that, say Amen. So let's jump in and let's help and let's, let's make a difference around our communities and around the state. As part of two months of hope, the Lord has really put on my heart the power of the preached word of the gospel 
of Jesus Christ? Do you still believe there is power in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so what we're going to do over the next two months is you are going to hear from various members of our pastoral team. I'm going to be preaching some Sundays, but you're going to hear from Pastor Daryl. You're going to hear from Pastor Jacob. Next week, you're going to hear from Pastor Allison. And I believe that's the first time he has preached in the pulpit here since he retired. I've tried to get him a few other times, and it just didn't work out. So I'm excited about that. But I I told them in our ministry team meeting, I said, I believe the Lord has really put on my heart that as we have these special services throughout this two months of hope, we're going to showcase different departments in the church. They're going to be part of these services. But the main thing the Lord has put on my heart is I believe he's going to give these men and myself the words to preach about the hope that this world and we all need. Amen. So I'm just excited about what God is going to say through his word over these next two months as we, as we preach about hope that comes from Jesus. I'm working with Jeremy. Our men are going to do a couple outreach projects. If you're interested in helping, let Jeremy know. And this is going to be a great two months. I still believe there's hope in Jesus Christ. Would you look with me in Acts chapter 17? We're going to start at verse number 16, and we're going to preach about really a sermon or or ministry activities that the Apostle Paul did as he went to a place called Athens. He was really just there waiting for the rest of his entourage to arrive, and, and the Holy Spirit got a hold of his heart, and he was stirred up, and he began to minister there in Athens. But if you would read with me, please, Acts chapter 17, and let's start at verse number 16. It says this. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to the Aragapus, saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. We see Paul here on a layover. He's waiting for his entourage to arrive, and he begins to examine the city of Athens. And everywhere he looks, he sees idols, little gods that had been built All over the city, statues and figurines and monuments and temples and all of these things. You may be familiar from your time in school of studying Greek mythology. These are those times, all those ancient Greek gods and goddesses. And Paul was walking around this city and he was seeing the evidence of the worship of all of these false gods. He was seeing the evidence of the worship of all these 
idols. And the Bible said here that he was provoked within his spirit. He was overcome with emotion. As I thought about what was that emotion, as I studied and tried to find adjectives for what the scripture was trying to say, I believe the best description was this. Paul was overcome with both grief and anger. And I thought, man, does that relate to us today? I look around our world I see what is happening in our country. I see what is happening in our cities. I see what is happening in families. I see the family unit falling apart. I see children and young people who are confused. When we live in a society where people now say there are some 36 plus different kinds of gender. Are you kidding me this morning? Where have we come and where are we going When we live in a society where people are more concerned about protecting the lives of animals than they are about aborting children, aborting babies, where are we, folks? Where are we as a society? And it's easy for me sometimes, it's easy for you sometimes to be provoked within our spirit. We feel both anger and we feel grief. We look around us and our heart breaks. And then sometimes we look around us and we have righteous indignation. And we think, how much longer until God sends judgment upon this world and upon this country? And we find ourselves many times feeling like Paul felt provoked within our spirit. We find ourselves feeling like we live in a society like Paul was in in Athens where there are gods all over the place but the true God has seemingly been forgotten. I'm here to declare to you this morning I personally have not forgotten the true God. I believe this morning when I look around this room, I'm preaching to a congregation. We have not forgotten the true God, God, Jehovah, who was and who is and who is to come. And I still believe God is seated high upon his throne. I still believe the power of the gospel message. You say, Pastor Greg, what is the gospel message? It is this. We were all born as sinners. All of us. Our righteousness was as filthy rags in the sight of God. We are all sinner for all have sinned and come short, have fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news of the gospel message is this, that in the fullness of time, God sent his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came up on this earth. He lived a perfect life. Let me back up the train. He was born of a virgin. I still believe Jesus was born of a virgin. God is his father, amen. He lived a sinless life. He died an atoning death upon the cross. I still believe in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I still believe in the power of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Let me be even more specific. I still believe that the shed blood of Jesus Christ is for the remission of my sins 
and your sins and the sins of the entirety of the world. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I do not believe in going into a little booth someplace and confessing to some man on the other side of the veil and telling him all of my sins and then expecting him to go to God for me. No, no, I believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe Jesus is my great high priest. He died on the cross. They laid him in a borrowed tomb and I still believe that on the third day he rose again, the resurrection of Christ. I still believe those things. And Paul, as he looked around, he could not contain himself any longer. I would that myself and ourselves would come to a point and step across the line in the sand and decide that no longer are we going to be quiet about the gospel of Jesus Christ. No longer are we going to be quiet about Jesus and the resurrection. Paul was so provoked, but he did something about it. And he decided he was going to engage with the philosophers of that day and the people of that day. And if you read that passage, you see that Paul became persistent in spreading the gospel message. You had Epicurean philosophers who were pursuing pleasure. It was all about pleasure. Boy, that relates today, doesn't it? We live in a society that is all about pleasure. Well, what do we do if we're all about pleasure, but yet a pandemic comes through and it closes down everything? Where we get our pleasure? Where's our hope then? What do we do then? Where do we find our fulfillment then? Then there are the Stoics that Paul was preaching to. They felt like they could handle things themselves. They could get themselves in line. They were self-sufficient and deep thinkers. How prevalent that philosophy still is today. We may not call them Stoics, but there are so many people in our world today that says, I am just fine the way that I am. I can handle myself. I can handle my own problems. I can do it. There is power in my humanity. But I want to tell us this morning, without Christ, our humanity falls flat. Any strength in our humanity falls flat. We need Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. Paul began to proclaim to them. He began to preach to them Jesus and the resurrection. They looked around at each other and they said, what is he saying? Some of them called him a babbler. You ever been called a babbler? I've probably been called a babbler. I use lots of words. Sometimes too many words, babble, babble, babble. Sometimes when it's time to dismiss service and I'm still talking and you guys are like, let me go, it's time to go to lunch. Or at nine o'clock, I guess it's time to go to brunch. Where, where do you guys eat after? You're gonna have to let me know. What, what do you do after nine? But they said, what is this babbler saying? Some of them said, what in the world does all of this mean? Karen and I were talking at the, at the event last night 
and, and it was in reference to a, a, a family and a child and different ones that say things about Bible stories. And we just got to talking in a broad sense. But can I tell us this morning, when these people said to Paul, you're preaching a new doctrine, what are you talking about? We don't know what you mean. We now live in a society where largely people are not going to understand at first what we mean by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not 1970. It is not the 70s anymore where there might have been lots of people who weren't coming to church, who weren't living for God, but if we were to talk to them, they had grown up in a Christian home, they had been in church, they knew the gospel, they were just in rebellion away from the gospel. Fair enough? They were what we called backsliders. There are still backsliders out there today. There are still people that we'll encounter today who have walked away from the faith, but they know better. They know the word of God. They were raised in the word of God or they spent time in church or maybe even have read the word themselves. But more and more, we are, we are in a world where people have not heard much of anything about Jesus Christ. When some hundred thousands of people Google John 3.16 a few years ago when Tim Tebow put it under his eyes on his face paint on a football field and people watching online Googled John 3.16. Why did they Google John 3? Google's a search engine, by the way, for those of you who aren't uh, as technological savvy. <laughs> but John 3.16, they put it into Google to see what it meant. That should be alarming to us. What does that mean we need to do? First, we need to have empathy. Empathy doesn't just look at people and say, oh, I feel so sorry for them. That's sympathy. Now, that's good. Empathy takes it another step, and empathy says, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to step into their world. I'm going to try to engage them, and that's the next thing we need to do, engage we need to engage those who are around us. I'm not saying God is calling anyone to the mission field. I'm not saying God is calling you to do like I've done in my life when God has called us to, to ministry and we packed everything up and, and moved to another part of the state. God could call you to do that. But most likely, God is just calling you and I to engage the people who are around us right now. Is that fair enough? our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, our family, and, and to have empathy, then to engage them, and then to be effective. More than ever, we need to understand how to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I ask you this morning, and as I ask myself, do I know how to witness to someone? Do I know how to explain the gospel to someone? Do I know how to tell someone about Jesus. If you say yes, then praise God for that. If you say, well, I'm somewhere in the middle, then take some time this week and beef that up. Is that all right? And if you say, well, I'm way over here. I just don't have a clue how to get started. Then let's just get started. Just start from where we are, but can we effectively communicate the gospel with clarity to those around us? Here's some of the message of Paul. There's hope in creation. There's hope in creation. Look with me, please, to verse 22. Verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Aragopas and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. 
For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life and breath and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has predetermined their appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. In a nutshell, God is sovereign over all of his creation. He's saying he is the creator God. He controls time. He controls space. He controls history. Now, let me be very careful and explain here. God does not approve of everything that has happened in history. But ultimately, God is still in control in his sovereignty of all of history. This is very applicable right now as we find ourselves, what, two days before an election in our country. We wring our hands, we wonder, we worry, we look at this candidate, we look at that candidate, we look at this agenda, we look at that agenda, and we worry about the future of our country. But all throughout history, God has put empires up, and he's brought them down. Up, and he's brought them down. He is the sovereign God over all creation. Over all time, it said here, over all boundaries. And our hope is not in the United States of America. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Can I say that again this morning? I don't know how any of us will feel on Wednesday morning after the votes are counted. I don't even know if we will know who won the election on Wednesday morning, right? After all the votes are maybe still being counted. But I promise you this Our hope is not in the United States of America. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Our hope is in him. This also, this little passage really is so timely because it also speaks to this racial problem that we have in our world right now, in our country right now, in our cities right now. He said he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell. Your blood is Adam's blood. My blood is Adam's blood. Regardless of skin color or tone or texture or race or ethnicity, my blood, your blood, every person in this entire world, our blood has been originated from the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. We are all created by God in the likeness of God. We all bear his image. And if the world around us would come to that fundamental truth, there would not be a racial problem. There would not be racial unrest in our country. We would love each other like God loves us. We learned it in preschool, didn't we? 
red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Everybody has been created lovingly by God with a hopeful purpose for their lives. There's also hope and conversion. This is where we find our true hope in our Christ conversion. Look with me, please, verse 27. So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. Here's the good news. Though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. As also some of your own poets have said. For we are also his offspring. Therefore since we are the offspring of God. We ought not to think that divine nature is like gold or silver or stone. Something shaped by art or man's devising. Too often in our world today, we have people, religious people, philosophical people, educators, sometimes even theologians, sometimes just normal, whatever, everyday people that were trying to form and devise God into our own image, into what we want to make God. We often hear people say, but I believe this. Well, but I believe this. But God, his divine nature is not something that you and I can devise and create ourselves. God must be known and understood through the mirror of the word of God, which tells us clearly who God is and what God does. And that's not a bad thing. That is a good thing. God is a great God. He is a powerful God. He is an awesome God. He is a loving God. He is a God who looked down upon this world and said, I want to send my son, Jesus Christ, to this world so that whosoever will can be saved and come and know me and know him in the power of his resurrection. God is a good God. The God of the Bible, Yahweh God, Jehovah God, God Almighty. He is a good God. He is a gracious God. And he has sent his son for you and he has sent his son for me. So Paul preached to them that day, Jesus Christ and the resurrection. I want to tell us this morning, now more than ever in the church house, may we preach Jesus Christ and the resurrection. We can preach a lot of things. We can find good poems. We can, we can find good outlines. We can Google and, and download messages off the internet. We can teach this and we can teach that. But more now, more than ever, may we preach Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life. May we as a church know who 
our God is. May we as a church know who Jesus Christ is. May we as a church never forget about Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. So he told them here, seek the Lord that you might find him. The good news is he's not far away from you. The good news for all of us, if, if there's any among us this morning, if there's any watching online this morning who do not know Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior, the good news is he is near to us. He's not far from us. In fact, I wrote it here in my notes, God is closer than we could ever imagine. This God who is closer than we could ever imagine, he causes us to live and to move and to have our being. Isn't that a precious thought? This God that is closer than we could ever imagine, who causes us to live and move and have our being, is also the same God who wants to make us children of God. So what should we do? Be converted. Be converted. I hope I'm preaching to a room of people who every one of you have already been converted, have come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But if not, today's the day. Be converted to God. Be converted to Christ. Not only is there hope in creation and hope in conversion, but there is hope in coming. Look with me at verse 30. Now this is talking about coming judgment but there's hope in the coming judgment. Now watch this, verse 30. Truly, these times of ignorance, God overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man, talking about Christ, let me just read it this way, by Christ whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. There is a time that is coming where we will be judged by Christ. We talked about some of this in the road trip series. We talked about being in front of Christ in the judgment where we know that our sins are already forgiven. And then he will judge us about our works. But there's another judgment where those who have not had their sins forgiven, where he will cast them into the lake of fire, into hell. And unfortunately, hell has not been edited out of the Bible. Regardless of who preaches it or doesn't preach it or believes it or doesn't believe it, it's not been edited out of the Bible there is a hell for all who reject Christ. But notice what I said in the slide. There is hope in his coming. There is hope in the coming judgment. The hope is this. I can have the blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. I can have the blessed assurance that he is mine. And if I know that he is mine, then when I stand before him, the sin question will be settled. The account will be paid in full. Now, yes, he will judge us then on our works. And I, I hope to, to receive a lot of rewards at that judgment. How about you? I, I want to have a, a crown that is loaded down with jewels that I can then cast at his feet and worship him. 
But I thank God that I have hope in the coming judgment that has been appointed because now I know Jesus Christ for myself. But notice he said for us not to be ignorant about all of this. Look at your neighbor through your mask and say, don't be ignorant. <laughs> now, ignorant really, you know, it sounds bad. If I look at somebody and say, you're ignorant, I mean, that, that does sound really bad. Don't do that. You know, well, I just told you to do that, but don't do it. You know, don't, don't really, don't, don't really do it. <laughs> Ignorant is not knowing, right? Like, like stupid is really insulting because it's talking about like an IQ or, or whatever. But ignorant, sometimes ignorant is just not, just not knowing. I'm ignorant of the fact. I, I've never heard. I, I don't know. But notice he said, God used to overlook some things. And I'm saying this very gently about people hundreds and hundreds of years ago because of ignorance. They just didn't know. But now we know. Let me give you an example of that very quickly. The printing press was not put into place, was not invented until about 1450. And so prior to that, during a lot of what was called the Dark Ages or the Middle Ages, the early Middle Ages, Dark Ages, people were illiterate. They didn't have a printing press. They didn't have Bibles to read. And so priests and religious leaders would tell them whatever they wanted to tell them. There was ignorance. And so people thought that they had to pay the priest to get certain privileges. They, they, you had to, to do certain things that was not in the scriptures. That's just one example of many, but there's been times of ignorance throughout the world. But after the printing press in 1450, Bibles began to be printed and the common people like you and I, we could begin to read God's word today. We can find more Bibles around than we could, could carry in our hands. We could walk through this building today, and before we left, we could have loads of, of Bibles. We could pull our phones out and click on apps and listen. Amen? Listen to the Word of God. Some people may, maybe you say, Pastor, I don't read as well as I would like to. I'm a slower reader. I feel like I'm a slow reader, to be honest with you. But you know what we can do? We can pull up the Bible now and listen to the Bible. All that's awesome, but it also means that God doesn't wink at ignorance anymore. Is that all right for me to just kind of throw it out there this morning? We're going to be accountable now because we can access his word. I thank God we can access his word. I thank God that we're accountable because I have hope in his coming. I have hope in his coming judgment because I've made it right with Jesus Christ. How about you this morning? One final point, there is hope in myself. When you read those last two scriptures, after Paul had preached these messages and talked to them, debated with them, presented to them Jesus and the resurrection, here was the response. Some of them mocked. Like some of them, as soon as he talked about Jesus and Jesus being risen from the dead, his resurrection, many of them just laughed and scorned right there, right then and there. I would like to say to you and I that every time we share the good news of this gospel that has changed our lives, that everybody would jump up and down with joy and receive it. But some people are just going to flat out mock you and mock me and laugh at us. That's what happened to Paul. Some of them said to him, well, we'll hear you again on this matter. 
That's where most people tend to fall. That's where most people tend to fall. They'll, they'll be noncommittal. They'll say, well, maybe. I'd like to hear more about it. Let me think about it. And, and, and so they'll go in that middle ground. But there's a precious time when people believe. And, and we see here that a few believed. As we sow seeds of hope over these last two months of the year, let's pray for those few who will believe. Maybe it's a dad who decides that he's going to serve God. That might sound like one, but one dad who gets serious about following Christ impacts his whole entire family. Isn't that a beautiful thought? One mother who says, I'm going to make a change for Christ impacts her entire family and the generations that come. If I had not had a grandmother on this side of the family and a grandmother on this side of the family who came to faith in Christ when they did, I might not be standing here this morning. They're, they're both gone. They're, they're gone on to, to glory. They have, they have passed away. They're gone. But I'm standing here today and I'm serving God. My children are serving God. My parents are serving God. Why? Because one grandmother on this side made a decision. One grandmother on this side made a decision. One of my grandmothers, she told me that, that some of the times she had to go and drag her mother out of the bars and take her home. But somehow this gospel message got to my grandmother. She made a change and now my family is serving God. I say over these next two months, let's focus on the ones who might believe and change the history of their entire family and genealogy. Isn't that a beautiful thought this morning? Maybe that one is a grandparent. Maybe that one's a friend or a neighbor who, who we can help make a change. Maybe that one is a boss or a coworker. I end it by saying hope in myself. My hope, their hope that we're preaching about is not in ourselves, but it is Christ in me, my only hope. I did that intentionally. I hope that you would, I hoped, did you get that hope? I hope that you had looked at that and said, what do you, wait, we can't hope in ourselves. My hope is not in myself, but I do have hope in myself now because Christ is in me. Is that all right this morning? You have hope in yourself because Christ is now in you. Would you stand with me this morning? Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. There's hope all the way from creation. There's hope in conversion. There's hope in coming. And there's hope in myself. Would you bow your head and let's pray this morning? God, we thank you for the hope that we have. Jesus Christ and the resurrection. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. God, let each one of us this morning renew our hope in you. We don't know what will happen this week. We don't know what will happen next year. We don't know what will happen with the racial tensions in our world. We don't know what will happen in the election. We don't know what will happen in our government. We don't know what will happen with this pandemic. But God, we put all of those things aside this morning and we leave here today with hope because Jesus Christ is our hope. 
If the whole world around us were to fall apart, we can still stand in hope in our salvation because Jesus is our hope. And God, as we leave today, let every person in this house leave with their heads held high, knowing that their hope is in you. And the best is yet to come regardless, because our hope is in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This altar is open if you want to come for prayer or need special prayer. If you want to come and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we'll pray with you this morning. Pray and worship as they sing one final song, please.